I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hustle, feeling like someone. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Expo 2020 Dubai. Hi guys, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd, and you're going to love this podcast, let me tell you. As we were live from Expo 2020, and we took a wander around several pavilions, including my own home of the United Kingdom with Nada. Of course, she took us around some of the big, big pavilions to see what's inside. Uh, we also uh, took a look at uh, Brazil with Rafael Oliveira do Nascimento, who is the pavilion director for Brazil. We talked Brazilian music, Brazilian food, and of course, we had to talk football as well. We also had a look in Belgium, and they're staging a very special film festival happening here at Expo 2020. And music with the Wild Goats. What a name for a band, but wait till you hear them traditional bluegrass american music with hillary hawk and jesse lenat do enjoy it and don't forget to join me live weekdays from 11 o'clock only on dubai i 103.8 this is dubai i 103.8 you're listening to lunch with lloyd certainly are and welcome back into the show what are you doing with that Christmas hat? I'm trying to put it over my headphones (laughs) (laughs) Now then, I'm so looking forward to this next interview as um, my favourite music from around the world comes from this country and here's a little flavour of it just cannot stop moving to that. No. that that is Sergio Mendes who I was lucky enough to interview a few Ooh, years ago really? when he came to Abu Dhabi yeah uh, I drove all the way to Abu Dhabi nobody was going to stop me getting this interview and he was such a lovely guy and just adore his music and uh, that's a little clue as to where we're heading to next on the show to Brazil and we welcome the pavilion director Rafael Oliveira do Nisimento. how are you sir good afternoon how are you? Thank you for having me again. It's a real pleasure. And don't you love Sergio Mendes? I love Sergio Mendes, <laughs> and I also, also love this song uh, and the voice of Jorge Benjor. Oh, right. Uh, Raphael, when... was the first to record it. You know, when we when we played the song, me and Mark were dancing, and I was watching you on the screen going, he's not even moving. How can he not be moving to the song? <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that many, you many times. You saw the big spy on my face, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, um, I know... to start an interview with the song. Now, I know that at your pavilion, you've really recreated the sights and sounds, scents, and I'm sure the music of uh, this wonderful country of Brazil. Tell us more about your pavilion. Yes, uh, our pavilion main attraction is the water feature that we have. It's a, it's a water screen that takes over almost the entirety of our plot. And the idea is that we have a, an, an experience for the five senses. Uh, so the first sense is the touch, the, the sense of feeling. So we want visitors to get into the water and feel Brazil. And while they feel Brazil, they hear the sounds of our country and they see the images of our country. And they also can sense the smells and the flavors of Brazil uh, at our restaurant and at our cafe. All right. Um, so we can really kind of immerse ourselves. Um, I believe you're also promoting... Uh, your gastronomy and and the culture as well. I'm, I'm, I don't know, food from Brazil. What are some of your standout dishes? 
you know, of course, everyone knows about churrasco, the Brazilian churrasco. It's widespread all over the world. And of course, the Brazilian feijoada, which is a bean stew. Uh, but we also we also have several different dishes from different regions. And that's what we are trying to show here at our restaurant. Uh, so we have, for example, muqueca, which is a traditional dish uh, from the northeast of Brazil. And also the, the tucupi duck which is a, a dish traditionally from the north part of Brazil, and also the polenta, uh, traditionally from the south of Brazil. So we're trying to uh, make sure that the visitors, when they come to our restaurant, they they have a variety of experiences that show the whole uh, country and, and what our country can offer to everyone. And of course, uh, the main attraction of our restaurant is the Brazilian picanha, the Brazilian steak, uh, which is wonderful. Now, um, what, tell me what the experience has been like for you and, and your team to come here to Dubai and participate in Expo 2020. It's been, uh, I, I think, amazing for everyone involved in this great event, and especially after the very difficult years that we had. And uh, thank God uh, it was past us. Uh, but uh, I think uh, the, the main uh, important thing about the expo is that, that all countries can be here and working together and having the same goals which is to connect uh, our minds and, and create a better future for mankind and that everyone is part of the solution everyone has a role to play and brazil is here to to present uh, what are the, the the actions and what are the roles and what have we have been doing uh, to create this better future for everyone so what's going to be happening uh, in uh, the new year at, at your pavilion? Well, I'm sure the vibe is going to be absolutely amazing. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, uh, as, you, as you know, Brazil has one of the most traditional New Year celebrations in, in uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro, but also all over the country, one of the, the longest uh, uh, fireworks shows in the world. And of course, we'll be connecting with this same uh, feeling in the same vibe to celebrate uh, 2022, the arrival of this new year, and hoping that everything is going to be uh, great and better for everyone. And we are also celebrating Christmas, of course. Uh, we are having some special attractions during Christmas. Uh, we have an activation by one of the most uh, uh, important uh, food producing uh, companies in Brazil, activating in our main uh, water plaza. We're also having special dishes for Christmas at our restaurant, a, Brazilian, uh, a traditional Brazilian dish, dinner will be served uh, at our restaurant for guests that want to, to try this. And our store also has special uh, Christmas products, such as the, the panettone, which is, of course, it came from Italy, but as you know, Brazil is a country of immigrants, and uh, uh, some say that panettone was changed, uh, some say it was improved in Brazil, but we have this Brazilian uh, panettone uh, to be sold uh, at our uh, gift shop as well. So very special activations for these last two weeks of the of the year. And of course, we have our music and, and cultural performances uh, that were happening before uh, every weekend. And now we are having these performances every day. So after 4 p.m., visitors can come to our pavilion and they hear uh, Brazilian music and Brazilian dances as well. Also dances from all the regions of Brazil. And I'll make sure today I ask for Sergio Mendes and Masquinada. <laughs> as to you. Now, I'll tell you what, I couldn't do an interview about Brazil without bringing up the subject of football as uh, I'm from Manchester in the UK, which is steeped in footballing tradition. You guys have won a record, I think it's 15 World Cups, which is quite amazing. Five, five. Uh, sorry, five World Cups. And tell five. me, um, what, record. what makes, you know, uh, Brazil so good at football? 
I, I think uh, it's something that we, we don't uh, put too, too much thinking about it. Everyone simply simply plays football in Brazil. Uh, we, we grew up playing football. And every, everything is a, an excuse to play football. If you have a pair of socks, you can roll them up together and start <laughs> yeah. playing football in your, in your bedroom. And you play this uh, with your colleagues. And if you have a pair of Brazilian flip-flops, you make the, the, the goal and you, you play with the, the socks rolled up. And that's how we, we learn and, and everyone plays it. And it, it just comes naturally to us. But of course, now everyone in the world has uh, very uh, strong teams. We still hold the, the record of five uh, uh, World Cups and now two Olympic gold medals. But uh, uh, now the competition is tough. I don't know if you know, but we, we are having a, a, a football competition here at Expo among the pavilions. Are you really? Yes. Wow. Okay, tell me more about that. What what kind of a competition is it? <laughs> All the countries uh, have uh, presented uh, uh, their their teams to compete, and, yeah. and we have been playing each other. And Brazil has passed uh, the first phase, uh, the first uh, in the first place of its group, and yeah. we are going to play the next the round of sixteen in the next few days as well. Oh wow! Um, are you actually on the team? I am. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And who did you face um, in in the last matches? And you know what, what uh, kind of the score lines? Mexico, India, and Finland. Okay, Mexico. I'm sure will be a quite a tough adversary. Another great footballing country. And, and the next, yes, the next opponent is Egypt. Oh, right. Um, so a strong team from this part of, of the world. Of course, um, yeah, the way that Brazilians play football is absolutely wonderful to watch. It's like a dance. And we always look back to the great Palais, of course, who uh, really yes. is uh, such a great ambassador for you guys. Yes, it's it's uh, really a national treasure that we have uh... Uh, Pelé and so many other players, but he's of of course uh, above uh, all of them. I had the pleasure of meeting him personally in 2008 uh, when we were celebrating the 50 years of our first uh, World Cup title, and he he was really a, a gentleman. And and everything that uh, everyone speaks about him is true. He, he's just amazing. Well, it's been a real pleasure to catch up uh, with you, sir, and uh, learn a little bit about, um, well, a little bit more about your wonderful country of uh, Brazil. That's once again the Pavilion Director, Rafael Oliveira do Dissimento, joining us live here on Dubai I 103.8. I wish you a very happy festive season and good luck in the football. Thank you very much. And we are waiting for you here at the pavilion to hear some Sergio Mendes. Lovely. Sergio, I love how you say that. I say Sergio Mendes. You say Sergio Mendes. Love it. <laughs> You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Next up on our menu, we are heading to uh, Belgium and uh, over at their pavilion, they are celebrating Belgium films during Expo. And the man behind it is Hassan Nasser, who joins us on the line right now. Good afternoon, Hassan. How are you? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. I'm very well. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. So tell me why you first decided to showcase Belgium movies um, a few years ago and how did it first begin? First thing I think is passion. You know, we, we had a small group of friends watching movies together, uh, very private, and we realized that uh, actually Belgian movies is a very good quality, but it could deserve a better exposure internationally. So with the expo coming, we started to discuss with different people and we decided, okay, let's push for this project. Let's try to bring to Dubai, which is home, movies coming from another home, which is Belgium. 
and show and share that with people. Okay, so how do you actually select um, the movies that you are, are going to showcase here at Expo? So to, to make this project possible, of course, we had to connect with different people here in Dubai, uh, including the foreign trade and investment agency from Belgium, Wallonia, so AWEX, but also people in, in Belgium. Uh, so Wallonia Brussels International and Wallonia Brussels Image. So they really helped us to look at what is happening today and how we can select movies, taking into account, of course, the availability of the movies, and also how the content will fit with local requirements, local expectations and interests. So what kind of movies um, are we going to be able to see? Are they for all ages? What kind of uh, spectrum is there? You will really discover uh, uh, the diversity of Belgian movies. So we will have family movie like uh, Space Boy. We will have uh, comedy like... Uh, Rien à foutre in French, and I will not translate it in English. <laughs> we will have also kids' movie like uh, Ernest and Celestine, and thriller like uh, Mother Instinct, which is currently uh, do, uh, taking place also for a remake in the US with Jessica Chastain and Anne Hathaway. So, um, Hassan, I understand the films are all in line with Expo 2020. What does that actually mean? It means that for us, in all these movies, we will see something which is about opportunity and how people, when they are facing challenges, when they are facing difficulties in their life, they will also try to achieve something. So actually, I think it's a, it's a common uh, point across all these movies, but of course, with very different tone, very different uh, style as well, and a very personal touch of all the movie and film directors. So when and where can we actually see these films that have been selected by you? So we'll start on the 8th of January uh, and we will finish on the 12th of January. Most of the movie will be available at the Alliance Francaise, the French Alliance, uh, where they have an amazing uh, cinema in Dera. And the last day for the closing, we will be on the Belgian Pavilion at the Expo. So I read that um, after each film, the audience get to meet the people, the actors, the people behind the movie. Is that correct for every single film? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, most of them, most of them, I, I would say, except maybe one where the film director was not available, that was one of the criteria. We really wanted to make sure the movie we are selecting, the, the film director, the producer, and or the actor is available to move and to come to Dubai to visit us and to meet with the public. It was really important for us. It's not just showing the movie, but also we wanted them to discuss and engage w with the kids with adults to discuss how the story was created and how a movie is created in Belgium. So do we have to register to come along and see these uh, particular films? Is it open to the public? Absolutely. So yes, tell me you about have how. to register. Yeah. Okay, very simple. You go on the online uh, on the wallonia.ae website, so w-a-l-l-o-n-i-a.ae, or you find us on Instagram, uh, A-W-E-X-U-A-E -E, uh, on Instagram account. You will find all the details and it will take you to a dedicated website where you can find the list of the movies and uh, the system to register. But for your information, all movies are free. So it's really just a question of register to make sure we know the number of people 
coming to see the movie. If there was one movie that you would tell me do not miss in your lineup of films, which one would it be, Hassan? Oh, it really depends on you. You know, we, we have six movies, and as I said, they are very uh, diverse. So it really depends on what you're expecting. But I would say that clearly the first movie, the opening movie, Un Monde, in French, which is The Playground, has just been selected for the 2022 Oscar Whoa. International Feature Film. Wow. So it means that, you know, if we have to see one, probably this year, that would be the one. But again, I don't want to say that because if the film directors for other movies are listening, they will be a bit... <laughs> a bit <laughs> they won't turn up. Because they are all... Exactly. They are yeah. all great, really. The selection was really careful to really meet different expectations and show again the diversity. Well, Hassan, uh, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you about this. And uh, once again, uh, do uh, register and go along and enjoy those films at Alliance Francaise and, of course, at the Belgium Pavilion. This is Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back here into the show and of course lots of entertainment happening here at Expo 2020 bands that have flown in specially to perform and right now we're going to have a little chat with a band who are performing over at the USA Pavilion, they are called the Wild Goats and we welcome Hilary Hawke and Jesse Lennart from the band Guys, how are you doing? Welcome Hello, thanks for having us Hi, how are you? Very, very good, guys. So, I mean, Hillary, we've got to ask you, first of all, where that name comes from, um, Wild Goats. <laughs> um, the Wild Goats, it's, um, it's uh, a name that we thought would be really fitting for the band because everybody is really um, kind of crazy in the band. Everybody's a little <laughs> okay. stubborn. Uh, we got some really, um, really... Uh, good characters here in the band. Um, but also we play a blend of folk music um, and American traditional music that I thought goat, a goat, the animal, the goat really represented. So putting that all together, we became the wild goats. All right. So Jesse, tell me about the instrument lineup that you have in your band. And I think it lends itself to a lot of traditional American instrumental music. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, Traditional American music with a with a slight twist, since we have uh, Hillary on the banjo and voice, and I play guitar and sing as well. And then we have Sam on the tuba and Brian on the drums. And I think in that kind of quartet, the tuba is kind of a definitely adds an interesting little twist to what we would normally consider kind of like traditional Americana music. So we got a tuba, we got a banjo, we got guitars, and and we've got vocals. Um, so how did you guys all meet and, and put this band uh, together, Hillary? Um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll talk about that. Um, so I um, I play banjo and I played with um, Brian Geltner, who's uh, the drummer in the band, and we had a little duo project for a while, and we played around the world and we did a lot of shows just banjo and drums and it was really fun it was really rhythmic and fun and we made some cds and sam the tuba player ended up playing trombone and tuba on our recordings and we're like wow this is really cool like yeah. he sounds great this is like really <laughs> neat and then we started playing bigger shows where we needed more sound than just three people and um and we added a guitar and uh, we asked jesse to join us and he kind of fit right in, and and then that's how we've how uh, how it is now. And we've been together about 
um, two and a half, three years. Um, yeah, and it's been such a blast. It's been so fun playing with them. And and did you guys actually um, grow up listening to this kind of folk music? Is that what inspired you, or did you just naturally get into it because you liked it? Let's let's go with uh, uh, Jesse on that one. Yeah, I think we probably all grew up listening to a real um, mixture of music. I myself definitely was steeped in traditional folk music. My parents were were definitely uh, progressive folkies that would take me in their backpack to all the old Pete Seeger concerts and uh, different folk concerts. And uh, um, by the way, I also got exposed to, say, a lot of opera, a lot of Scottish music, a lot of Irish music, all kinds of music. All right, we're going to have a little sample. Um, something called Big Eyed Rabbit. Hillary, tell me a little bit about this tune. Well, this is a tune that comes from a, um, an old banjo player, um, a woman banjo player named Matoki Slaughter. That's her name. It's one of the best names. Of, <laughs> what a name. Uh, what a name. Yes, Matoki <laughs> Slaughter. And this is a, an American traditional tune. Um, and, and I love the rhythmic groove of it. So I learned it on banjo. And then um, when we put it, with the band, everybody kind of just uh, sunk right in, and this is the version that we created of, of Matoki Slaughter's Big Eyed Rabbit. Let's have a listen. Loving the groove on that, guys. Um, Big Eyed Rabbit, that's called, from uh, Wild Goats. Very much kind of the dueling banjos kind of, uh, of style of music. And uh, I think the tuba's playing the bass. Am I right there, Hillary? That's right. You got it. <laughs> uh, infectious music. Um, so tell me how you managed to, uh, you know, secure the gig and come out here to, to Dubai to play at Expo. Well, um, we got an email from a, a really good friend and she said, hey, there's this opportunity to play in Dubai. And I said, 
yeah, I want to do that. That looks amazing. Well, and, you, didn't, uh, you didn't think about I, it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, and I just was like, yeah, we should do this. And it sounded perfect. And um, so, yeah, we applied and, and we, we got accepted. And it's just, we're so honored to be here. Like, uh, you know, once in a lifetime. And I, we're, we're really grateful. Uh, Jesse, how are you enjoying Dubai and, and performing here for the Crowds at Expo? Oh, you know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic and mind-blowing and all expect expectations have been far surpassed from uh, just the expo point of view, the staff here, and then just the people of Dubai and the experiences we've been having traveling around and finding all this fantastic local food and going to the old souks and it's just uh it's really mind expanding and it's been really beautiful so how many more gigs um have you got and what are the timings that you actually play uh hillary uh we have two more gigs today at the usa pavilion and we're performing at 4 p.m and at 7 p.m and then that's it for us well, it's been fantastic to catch up with you before you head back to the U.S. What's next on the menu? Are you going to be spending Christmas with your families, I guess? Yeah, we're going to head back and um, isolate a little bit um, and just make sure, you know, everything is safe um, yeah. and we're just really cautious. Um, and then hopefully see some family soon. Awesome. I'm actually staying in Dubai for Christmas. I'm going to have a my first Christmas in the Middle East. Wow. Looking forward to it. Good for you. I think you've fallen in love with this part of, of the world. Well, guys, uh, Jesse and Hillary from, uh, once again, Wild Goats, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Merry Christmas to you both. Thank you. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Lunch with Lloyd. Right now, we are catching up with uh, Nada, of course. So Wonder with Nada, something that we do each and every week on the show. And for the very first time, she's complete with reindeer antlers. I'll say a very good morning to you, Nada. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to have you on the show and a very uh, happy festive season to you. You're really looking the part here in the, the studios. Uh, so tell me, what are you going to do with us this week on Wonder with Nada? Well, I'm going to tell you about so many things that are happening around the expo and, of course, some of the cool pavilions uh, that I've been to lately. Uh, so as of this morning, I am at 101 pavilions. Nearly as many as the Dalmatians, or exactly the same number as the Dalmatians, 101 pavilions. Maybe we could make a movie um, about Hi. that. Um, so 101, that's great going, um, Nada. I know you've been to some fantastic uh, pavilions, not only the big ones, but some of the hidden gems as well. So what are you going to highlight this week? So I'm going to start with a big one, uh, and one that you've probably seen as well, uh, Mark. So the UK pavilion, and that stands out in incredibly uh you know beautifully as uh as far as architecture goes have you been uh, i certainly have and uh, as you say when it comes to a selfie i think the uk pavilion is probably takes the biscuit yeah and they've they've actually got areas little and it'll tell you this is the perfect selfie spot to get your <laughs> great shot of that kind of a rounded uh, pavilion with with all the words on the front 
Exactly. So it is, in fact, indeed a poem pavilion that was actually inspired by one of uh, Stephen Hawking's uh, final projects called Breakthrough Message. So uh, he and other scientists were determined to basically search for any signs of intelligence uh, that were, you know, beyond Earth. So that project in particular, the breakthrough message, was a message from the world that would be sent from humanity to space uh, to find or communicate with ancient or sorry, with alien civilizations, right? Mm -hmm. So he basically uh, warned that there could be millions or billions even of years ahead of us in terms of you know intelligence. And if so, they would probably be uh, a lot more powerful. So the UK Pavilion invites you to consider what message we basically would communicate to express ourselves as a planet should we one day encounter other advanced um, civilizations, right? Yeah. So when the expo actually began in October, uh, the UK Pavilion had its very first word, and that word was dignity. Um, and it was entered into an artificial intelligence AI uh, algorithm uh, by Rimal Hashimi, who is the director general of Expo. Yeah. So the technology then used this word, dignity, as a starting point to create these successive lines of verse that would rhyme. It's very, I didn't know. I didn't know that the story behind that. So I've really learned something this morning, and and it does make a lot more sense now. You um, describe it that way. So I mean, if you were to have a word, just one word, um, to send up to space, what comes to mind? Oh, I would. I mean, I'd probably say something along the lines of wandering. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Exactly. So maybe wandering in space one day. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, when you actually look at the whole thing now, indeed, it does say a number of words. Um, and, it, you know, in terms of just like the architecture, it's breathtaking. It's a very, very uh, large, almost circular kind of shape. And it really stands out among the rest of, of its neighbors. Now, um, I understand next door as well, just very, you know, very close to uh, the uh, pavilion. You can dine on um, probably the UK's national dish, uh, fish and chips. Fish and chips, indeed. I haven't been to actually try that yet, but it's on the list, uh, as, as well as many, many others. Um, but I actually then ventured next to Myanmar. Have you been to Myanmar? No, I've not been to that one yet. Okay, so Myanmar is also known as uh, Burma in uh, Southeast Asia. So it's actually located between a number of countries, um, India, China, uh, Thailand, as well as uh, Bangladesh. So it's home to about 54 million people, which is quite a lot. Um, and they are actually producers of some of the world's most precious and priciest gemstones. Um, in particular, they're called the, the pigeon's blood rubies. Have you ever seen those? Blood rubies, no. I've heard of uh, the blood diamonds, of course, uh, but blood rubies, no. I've not come across that one. Yeah, well, so they're apparently um, accountable for more than 90% of the world's exports of rubies. They all come from Myanmar, practically. Um, so these rubies are very known for, uh, they're very deep, uh, very natural, also red fluorescence. Mm -hmm. um, and they really also command these really, really high prices per carat than any other precious stone um, on the global market, with the exception of diamonds, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so for example, just to give you an idea of how much it would cost, a rupee of about 10 carats 
uh, or more can cost anywhere between six uh, million to eleven million U.S. dollars. Wow, that's a whole lot yeah, of money. Uh, do they have any on display there that we can kind of uh, take a look at? Take a look. They do have a few photos, uh, but none that I saw in person in, in real life. Okay. Um, they do have also this like incredible sort of display of you know traditional things uh, that are done in Myanmar. So Myanmar is actually known for its uh, long neck women. Have you ever heard of those? Yes. Yes. So they're also known as giraffe women um, because they put uh, on a very particular kind of uh, ring. Uh, which goes on their necks uh, to, so that it would appear yeah. to lengthen it, yeah. right? Yeah. So it come from a very particular tribe, and they believe that the longer the neck, the more beautiful the woman. So as a part of like a young girl's um, initiation into womanhood, what they would do is at, at around the age, I think, of five and six, they would actually start wearing this coil of about 10 rings, which would push up their chins and then press down on their chest. And they wear, wear this all year round, even when they're sleeping. So when you grow wow. older, this coil just becomes longer and longer. Uh, and that means that more rings are added. So it really, I mean, it looks incredible when you see it, you know, in photos um, there. And of course, when you go to Myanmar, you see those ladies there in person. That's absolutely um, amazing, isn't it? That's um, you know that this happens, and uh, you know I'm just wondering if if they are in pain with with uh, with wearing these uh, these bangles on their neck. Oh, they would have to be. I mean, to maybe you know wear this for an hour or two, I would yeah. say maybe manageable. But to wear this all day long, it would definitely take its toll, especially since they're sleeping with it as well. Uh, but it's such a big part of you know the culture, the tradition. So it remains quite prevalent even to this day. Um, I think maybe some of the younger kids might be opting out, but it's also become somewhat of a tourist attraction, um, you know, to go yeah. and see those women and they're wearing those rings and you basically kind of go to take a photo with them or of them. Um, so that's the way that's also evolved. Sounds like a very interesting pavilion, to say the least. Uh, anything else that caught your eye at uh, Myanmar? At Myanmar, I mean, they had just a few, again, of uh, the traditional sort of clothing that they wear there and, you know, talk of more other uh, gemstones that are quite prevalent. Yeah. Um, then afterwards, I also ventured to another place, uh, which is Moldova. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Yeah, welcome back into the show on this Wednesday. We always, of course, broadcast live from here on a Wednesday with Lunch with Lloyd and, in fact, all of our shows. And at this time of the day, we always go for a wander with Nada, tour guide here in Dubai and throughout the Emirates. And we're wandering around Expo. We've already visited that UK pavilion with that myriad of words. And also we headed... Um, to Myanmar. Where are you taking us next then, Nada? So we're going to Moldova. Moldova, a country I don't know a great deal about. So enlighten me. Let me learn a little bit about Moldova. <laughs> well, I also did not know really uh, anything about the country. Um, so went in, discovered it is a landlocked country uh, that is actually between Romania and Ukraine. Um, and it became an independent, uh, you know, republic after the fall of the USSR. And so I was learning about the culture there. Um, and one of the things that really kind of struck my attention uh, was this feature of a wall carpet that was hung up. So they're all about the wall carpet craftsmanship. 
Okay. okay. Yeah. So in the past, apparently, this wall carpet or wall carpets in general, they weren't just decorative features, but they were actually a part of a bride's dowry. Okay. So the bride had to actually weave them with her own hands. And a beautiful carpet was basically a measure of her skill and of her diligence. Um, the rugs would not be placed on the floor. They would actually always be proudly hung on the walls. So this was a very kind of unique thing that I had uh, not heard of before. I mean, people usually exchange gold or jewelry as dowries. Yeah, yeah. This was just a very different category. Um, the other thing I learned about is in terms of literature. So Moldova is incredibly proud of a poet of theirs. Um, and his name is Mihai Eminescu. And he is said to have written the longest love poem ever recorded. Wow. So it's called Lucia Farul, which uh, means evening uh, star. And the, the actual story is about uh, the impossible love between two people, a princess and an immortal man. Uh, and they both belong to these very different worlds. So the, the idea is, is that it's kind of like a, a Romeo and Juliet uh, kind of story. Mm -hmm. It took him 10 years to write and is apparently a poetic masterpiece. So schools in Moldova actually require students to memorize this poem in its entirety. 10 years to write it must be one amazing uh, piece of work uh, and just coming back to those uh, those carpets um i guess they were offered to the prospective groom's family um you know in, in advance of the wedding yes exactly so offered to them and then this would basically show uh you know the wife's sort of commitment her skill basically just kind of an idea of how committed she would be to their marriage in some way Excellent. Um, so um, anything else that you discovered in Moldova? A wonderful piece of literature, carpets. Uh, what else was there? A lot of musical instruments. And then they also have like a, a few videos that just kind of talk about the cuisine that's offered there, which, again, I had no clue of. Uh, so I just started sort of, you know, watching the video and just recording, writing down all the names of those dishes. Yeah. Because here's what I'm going to try to make them uh, sometime next year. <laughs> um, but we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, of course, we are celebrating, of course, uh, Christmas very, very soon. And if you remember last week, I actually told you that they were starting to put up this massive uh, Christmas tree at yeah. the Dome. Yeah. It's 20 so, meters tall, isn't it? 20 meters in height. Yes, and it is now entirely complete. Yeah, well, we're also, of course, um, here at Dubai, I 103.8, we have your Find Your Festive, where if you come down here and take yourself a selfie and tag uh, Dubai, I 103.8 and Expo 2020 on Instagram, we could be calling you back on New Year's Eve to award you with 50,000 dirhams. Uh, just take a selfie. Oh, there's wow. lots of great places. There's Christmas trees, there's baubles, there's presents, loads of places. Plus, if you're wearing a festive jumper or a hat, or something like that, uh, you could um, see your prize money instantly increase to 60,000 dirhams for one lucky winner. So it pays oh to come God. down here and take your selfies. <laughs> You're going to see me permanently stationed there, I think. I think so. <laughs> uh, well, once again, a very happy Christmas to you. And um, any advice for people coming down over the festive period? Absolutely. So, in fact, they also have this really cool winter camp for kids uh, where you can actually drop off your kids at a specific time 
and they can explore Expo with a dedicated team. Uh, so they also encourage you to basically uh, pack a snack and some water for the kids, and then the parents can then enjoy Expo for three hours while their kids are there. Uh, then you pick them up from the same drop-off area, and it's all for free. So I thought that was a really nice activity for those who are wishing to go over the next few days. Um, plenty of food, of course, you know, I mean, every place has, you know, either a small cafe or a proper kind of larger restaurant. Um, I just kind of quickly stopped at, at the Netherlands Pavilion for some, have you ever tried the bitterballing? No, I haven't. No, never. In fact, that is top of my list as the next one to go to is the Netherlands. Oh, fantastic. So this is indeed a very popular uh, snack there in Holland. And in the early 1900s, they were actually the perfect way to transform yesterday's meat leftovers into today's appetizer, right? So typically it's like a deep fried uh, ball and it usually has meat gravy stuffed inside, which is eaten with a very uh, delicious mustard. Um, at the expo, they have a vegetarian option, which is stuffed with mushrooms, and it's best eaten when piping hot. Excellent. Well, uh, as always, uh, Nada, thank you so much for joining us. Wonder with Nada. If we want to follow your um, kind of explorations around the Emirates, where do we need to head to? Wanderwithnada.com and on social media at Wanderwithnada. Excellent, and uh, a very happy festive season to you, Nada. Have a great celebration, uh, whatever you're going to be getting up to.